0: This is a production of NTEU Chapter 49, representing most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. This is what we do very, uh, work very hard at keeping a weekly podcast as much as possible. It's the Chapter 49 podcast. My name is Larry Lannan. I'm a retiree, but I also volunteer and do communication work for NTEU Chapter 49, although I serve as the host, our our regular guest of honor is the chapter president for chapter forty nine, Duncan Giles. So I'm sure that's an introduction like you've never had before. I
1: was I was gonna say, Larry, guest of honor. That's 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 a low bar for us apparently, if I'm the <laughs> guest of honor.
0: <laughs> but it's every week, so you're honored every week, so you should think about that. <laughs> we, we, we we pass on as you just we pass on honors pretty easily around here. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we do have a lot to talk about. In fact, uh, we're recording a little bit earlier than usual because I have a few things going on and so do you. But uh, we actually uh, toyed with the idea of having a special uh, podcast about a subject that has come up. We decided to go ahead and wait. I'm glad we did. We do have some additional uh, developments we can talk about. It happened a little less than a week ago from the, the day we were recording this on October 28th in the late afternoon, and it was just a little less than a week ago that this executive order was issued by the White House. And at first, I'm not sure anybody really knew what it meant, and it's still extremely vague. But it's of great interest to anyone working for the federal government. Now, it deals with something called Schedule F. It creates something called Schedule F in the federal workforce uh, jargon. Just for those of you who do tax law, this is not about farm income tax returns. (laughs) This is about a Schedule F, which is part of how federal employees are categorized. So. I'm going to give this to you, Doug, and just explain what this executive order appears to say and, and what's happened since it was issued a little less than a week ago.
1: Well, as you said, it's, it's about as clear as mud right now. What the executive order is, is, as best we're able to determine, is trying to do is saying, okay, we're going to have folks that have been career conditional employees, basically you know, gone through the regular process to get their jobs, and instead of that, we're going to make them anybody in a, quote, policymaking or policy advisory position, unquote, into Schedule F employees. And F is the grade that this idea should be given. What it basically does is it strips out merit system protections for employees. Who are these employees? We don't know. Are they all managers? We don't know. Could they include some analysts? To get involved with uh, planning of things? Absolutely. It could include tens of thousands of employees across the federal government. We don't know how many are bargaining unit, how many are non-bargaining unit, what positions they hold. And what this basically does is allows management to come in and say, okay, you're now Schedule F, which means if you do something we don't like, you're gone. It takes away those rights that employees have, whether they're bargaining or non-bargaining, to be protected in a job from, uh, from political pressures. And that's why the actual the civil service system that we have now was set up, because they wanted to get away from people giving jobs to their cronies and things of that nature. And this executive order basically reverses that. It's um, everybody was sort of set back on their heels. And when I say everybody, I'm talking about something that is united um, both sides of the aisle. Management associations for employees as well as managers. Uh, basically, everybody is going, what is this? Why do we need this? And what are we going to do about it? Well, <laughs> what's being done at this point is Congress is now starting to mobilize their bills in Congress to curb this and not give it any funding so that basically they can't um, slip in these political appointees or terminate people that they, you know, switch them to Schedule F and then terminate them if they don't like them. As well as that, um, NTEU has been among the forefront, as I'm sure no one should be surprised by, about going to court to try and block these orders because on the face of it, it looks to be uh, directly against the statutes that govern uh, federal civil service.
0: This goes back, if you wanna look at the history, 137 years. Well, it was a late 19th century, I think it was 1883, I could be off by a few years, when the Pendleton Act was was enacted, if you wanna put it that way, was made law, And the reason the Pendleton Act was passed is because the whole federal government would change over every time there was a new president, especially if it was a president of a different party. Uh, This did not really serve the public well. And finally, the Congress and the presidency decided, okay, we do have to have a different system. You know, we can't continue to just reward our the people that work in our campaigns that are involved in politics to put this in perspective another way of um, in the entire internal revenue service there are only two people that serve at the pleasure of the president a political appointee if you will that's the commissioner mr reddick at the, the moment the commissioner of the internal revenue service and the second one is the person who leads the office of chief counsel, the attorneys that work for IRS. Those are the only two political appointments. As I understand this process, and I've tried to read as much of it as I can, uh, by pe- written by people who do know this subject more than a little bit, what they're saying is that uh, there's a time period that has begun running where all federal agencies are going to have to submit to I would assume the Office of Personal Management, White House, whatever, somewhere in the executive branch, the jobs they think are now what you just described, policy making, would be in this new Schedule F. And nobody knows what that's going to be like and what pressure the agencies will be under to expand that list. One other thing I want to mention, I want to get your reaction to the, what I just said and one more thing that I, I would like to say. There has been... Uh, something that has gone on for a number of years in in federal employment it's called burrowing and what does that mean burrowing is where you find somebody who's like you the president let's say politically you get that person into the federal civil service and burrow them in so they're they're there after you the president might leave office uh, what's really worrying people is that what could happen here is we could have tens of thousands of employees who all of a sudden are in this new Schedule F. Uh, they're they're let go because they're Schedule F, and tens of thousands of people are burrowed in. Doesn't matter who the president is or the party you got to wonder whether that's good for the administration of, of the federal government, just administering the laws that all of us have to administer. So I'd like you to touch on those two issues if you would.
1: Yeah. On the, on the borrowing, that's, it's, it's looking, as you said, you know, there are certain ones that they do appoint that do get in. um, And that's doesn't matter what political party, as you said, but we're talking about with, with this executive order, this is like saying, "You know what we're going to give burrowing about fifteen red Bulls and about six or seven hits of steroids and shove it in there um it's It's something that is on a scale that nobody has ever really imagined and i it's just it's scary it truly is scary, especially since we don 't know who this will impact
0: and let's talk about the the court action you alluded to. And it happened pretty quickly. I, I know that Tony Reardon was in contact with all chapter presidents, including yourself, uh, saying that our uh, NTEU attorneys were immediately looking this over to see what can or should be done legally. And it took no time at all for uh, the legal staff at NTEU to challenge this. Based on what you've been able to discern, what is NTEU using as a basis to challenge this executive order?
1: Um, Well, first off, let me just talk about the NTU Legal Department for a minute. We have our field uh, representatives who are attorneys who are all great. Then we have the actual legal staff. And all of our legal staff, our folks in D.C., are very, very, very good. And they are headed by a gentleman named Grego Duden. And Grego Duden happens to be one of the brightest attorneys I've ever had the pleasure of meeting, The man is very, 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 very sharp, argued in front of the Supreme Court, knows what the heck is going on, and he likes to weigh things. He likes to look at things. He likes to sit there and say, okay, what are the legal ramifications? How is this going to work? When a Grego Duden says, okay, in less than a week, we're filing suit in U.S. District Court, that means that very quickly... They've realized that there's like a big red flashing light that this is violating uh, federal civil service laws and that they are going to go ahead and file suit to try and stop this in its tracks before it even gets started.
0: Yeah, I think it's worth mentioning here and anybody – and there are a lot of people who work – not everyone, but many people who work at IRS that have to deal with law, tax law, revenue agents, people, and even some of the toll-free people occasionally deal with tax law. So you got to understand what – what law is all about. No executive order can be inconsistent with the law. And I think, isn't that where NTEU was zeroing in on this one?
1: Exactly so.
0: Yeah. It, because there are clearly some violations of even the Pendleton Act, which again goes to back 137 years that a decision was made to change that. I, I like to tell the I just wrote a A commentary on my own little personal blog the other day uh, about my experience getting my driver's license in Indiana in 1967. Because at that time, the entire Bureau of Motor Vehicles, every employee was a political appointee. I mean, I'm old enough to remember that. And the people that I, you know, who were working in those uh, license branches were doing the best they could, but they were not well trained. Most of them were not very experienced. And they just were not in a position to do a good job. Now, you can complain about the BMV even today, but if you go, you go in there now, you've got a, a bunch of career professionals dealing with all, all your issues. And I cannot even give you how stark a comparison that is compared to what it was like when we had a the spoil system where, you know, whoever wins the election gets to hire just about everybody in government. So um, this that is why. So many people are concerned about this. Sure, it's it's, it's of concern to federal managers. i having been one. I can tell you that would be a great concern to me if somebody's going to put me in as a political appointee. The, but but I think it's 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 more than that. There are people in Congress who see that uh, the federal civil civil service system is 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 uh, being peeled away in a way that will not help the public and will not be good for the administration of any agency whatever work you're doing so that's my speech <laughs> I, yeah. I I yeah. just no, feel I so mean, strongly about this
1: it, it is it's just it's inconceivable how this can help the american public taxpayer it, whatever regardless of whatever agency it is that these folks go into this is not good policy period end of story you know one of the things that the executive order talked about was you know, that they're adver- you know, they can't take adverse action against employees. I get so very tired of hearing that. It doesn't matter whether you're a bargaining unit or non-bargaining unit. It doesn't matter what agency you're at. It's going to depend on the contract that you have uh, if you're a bargaining unit or what the rules are if you're a non-bargaining unit. But if everything is done properly and done correctly, people can and do get fired. But it's the fact that you have to do things correctly and saying, OK, it's too much work to do things correctly. So we want to put in who we want to put in because they agree with us politically, regardless of the fact of whether they'd be a good fit with this or know the job. I can it's rem- just I was saying.
0: I was at a legislative conference years ago, and when you go to these, you're normally dealing with the staff of the congressman or the senator. You rarely, Sometimes you get a chance to meet with them, but they're busy and they just don't have the time. But if they're able, they will usually spend a little time with you. When Todd Young was a member of Congress, before he was elected to the Senate, about halfway through my meeting with his staff, he slipped in and, and we talked. And we talked extensively about this whole Idea of you know federal employees cannot be fired. I said yes, they can, Congressman. I've been I've had a front row seat to that. He said, "Where's the data?" I said, "The data can be hard to come by, because so often people simply resign rather than going through the process." And it's very difficult to document. There's some data MSPB, Merit Systems Protection Board, has put together. But it's, for, it's very difficult to get reliable data on this. But you know the people who are working in this system, the system, such as yourself and myself as a union official, myself as a management official, people can and are fired, can be fired and are fired. And uh, they have a, a appeal rights and they have the right to be represented. But that doesn't mean they're going to keep their job. End of speech.
1: And again, that's absolutely correct. And like I say, there's, there's no excuse for saying, well, you can't fire somebody or you can't fire a poor performer. You absolutely can. You document it correctly. You take the steps that are needed. You, pr- you properly counsel somebody. You try and give them the help they need. And sometimes a job is not a good fit for a person. That's just a fact. So you try and do what you can to help them. But sometimes it's not going to work. And there's going to need to be a separation. And if it's done correctly, that's one thing. But to be able to do it wholesale, like this is talking about, with no real legal basis to do it by, is just wrong.
0: Let me get to another angle of this. There's a federal group called the, the precise name of it is the Federal Salary Council. Sadly, it has not been very effective except simply saying that federal employees are underpaid, big time then they give the information and unfortunately the salary councils never functioned quite the way the law was said it was supposed to uh but nto i believe is still on that council Sever- several several uh, federal uh, groups are management groups uh, y- employee unions and so forth are part of that council that uh, look at the federal salary council but the man who has been the head of that council is a man by the name of ron sanders Rings a bell for me because he was a top IRS management official when I was a union official and saw him on teleconferences and and saw, you know dealt with his uh, with what his decisions and so forth. Ron Sanders has not been with IRS for years. I think he works at the university level now. But he was so upset, and this is a guy who was not terribly friendly for employees. Not in every case, but I wouldn't say generally he was the employee's friend. Okay, I'm just going to tell you that. But Mr. Sanders resigned his job as head of the Salary Council, saying that he believes this executive order is a very bad idea. Doesn't that speak volumes, Duncan?
1: It certainly does. And I had dealt, when I was a young chapter president, so we know that was many years ago, I had dealt a little bit with Ron Sanders, and I reached out and got some some interesting comments from, some old retired chapter president friends of mine that were going back and forth who had dealt with him more extensively than I had. And we were all just going, He, it, you were being very gracious when you said that he was not employee friendly. Um, Ron Sanders wasn't, wasn't employee friendly, whether you were bargaining unit or non bargaining unit, it didn't really matter. He, he wasn't, He didn't like employees much, period, when he was with the IRS. Um, Very early in my career, he ended up going to uh, a different agency, and then I believe he finally ended up at Department of Defense. But as several uh, former chapter presidents and I were talking, it was like, okay, if, if a Ron Sanders, if this is so bad that a Ron Sanders cannot stomach it, that his integrity says, I cannot remain part of this administration appointed position because i find this so appalling that tells me everything i need to know about this executive order
0: we spent almost 20 minutes talking about this because it is very important any final comments we're we're going to watch what happens to the courts nteus there, congress and and we're beginning to see some bipartisan support uh, to overturn this so uh, we will be watching this very carefully Uh, not just what's happening in the legal system, but what may be happening in Congress this year, who knows, next year. Uh, But uh, there are still many developments to come. So, uh, again, uh, follow this, uh, uh, yeah, follow our podcast every week. Uh, We also have a Facebook page, which is, just uh, search for it, NTEU Chapter 49 Indiana. Make sure you put the Indiana at the end. NTEU chapter 49, Indiana, and follow us or like us or however you want to keep track of what we are posting. We will do our best to keep you up to date on developments there. Any, any last comments before we move on?
1: Uh, the, the actual start of this or at the end of the period, comments period, and when the agencies are supposed to have everything, is the day before Inauguration Day.
0: I noticed that so timing. Nothing, yeah,
1: Yeah, nothing's going to be happening right this minute. But it is something that we are very concerned about and want to get basically eviscerated as soon as possible.
0: And uh, it should be noted that executive orders can be uh, overturned by another president at any time. So Exactly. And know- if
1: you want to reach out to your congressperson to tell them that they should co-sign on with some of the bills that are starting up in both the House and the Senate now, Go to www.ntu.org, and it's very easy to do.
0: Yeah, if, you don't have, if you're a member and don't have an account, uh, set it up, and you can very easily send messages, letters, whatever, to your members of Congress and your senators. Let's move on. We have some other court action. Uh, uh, there is, um, there's been some recent rulings by the Federal Labor Relations Authority, the FLRA, which is sort of the, the, the Labor Board for Federal Employees, Um, This has not been a friendly body in recent times for federal employees. NTE was gone to court over some things happening there. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, the FLRA is appointed by uh, each president. And so depending upon which party is in power, sometimes the FLRA will swing employees' way. Sometimes it will swing management's way. That's expected. Um, When you've got pendulum swings, though, from these political appointees who are ignoring decades of prior FLRA rulings and case law, that's where it gets to be problematic. And that's where we're at now, because the FLRA has made several decisions um, over the last couple of years that have really been the only thing that I can call it is trying to um, eviscerate federal employee unions and their right to represent employees. So it's, it's affecting everyone in federal employ in federal employment. And NTU has taken some of these issues to the federal court system because of the fact that again, they're going against past precedent and federal, uh, case law on these issues
0: and I think that's important because uh, these bodies are supposed to follow precedent, with a C, precedent. And when they don't, you know, NTU will hold their feet to the fire. We don't believe that the current body has been consistent with the legal precedents that have been set before it. Uh, so that uh, will continue on as long as FLRA continues to issue rulings that we feel are not consistent with the law and can impact your ability to... Uh, uh, to have your own rights preserved as a federal employee. Another issue, uh, IRS is only one agency that is represented by NTEU. Another agency that is represented by, by the union is the, pre- pa- the, let me see if I can say this right, the Patent Trademark Office called PTO. Um, there's been a recent arbitration uh, that has had a very interesting impact dealing with an executive order that uh, affected the PTO tell us what happened there
1: yeah and again the uh, patent and trademark office as you said the PTO is one of the many agencies that NTU represents irs is the largest followed by uh, customs and border protection um we're the two largest but there are a dozen or so more other agencies including PTO and PTO filed a grievance uh, against the executive orders, some executive orders that were curbing official time, which is the time we get to represent employees and the prohibition on bargaining over permissive topics um, that are things that you know we bring up and talk about in our contracts that are allowed by law. And an arbitrator uh, ruled uh, a little over a month ago that the executive orders were illegal. Um, We were quite pleased with this reasonable uh, ruling and not at all surprised that the Patent and Trademark Office is going to ask for exceptions to this rule because they don't believe it. But this is the first time we believe um, that that we've had a legal decision from an arbitrator that the executive orders, which we have said are, you know, something that should be dealt with by statute with Congress rather than executive orders or fiat. This is the first time that we've had on record that a legal authority has said, these are not correct and they should not be done. And basically this arbitrator rolled back, Um, the Patent and Trademark Office's attempt to unilaterally implement what they wanted to do based on the executive orders. So it's something that's going to, again, play out in court, but this gives us a big uh, piece of ammunition to use in saying, you know, this impartial third party took a look at this, took a look at the case law, took a look at the applicable statutes and federal regulations and said, this is not correct, this cannot stand.
0: Yeah, and if the arbitrator uh, did a good job of legal reasoning, judges will pay attention to that. So having that uh, in the union's favor is just, is a very positive part of the process. Uh, I want to, our, our time's actually starting to run out, believe it or not, but I've, uh, I want to talk about something that's been going on for about a month now. Uh, most people, I think almost all people working for IRS have seen their paychecks, their net pay increase a little bit, assuming they don't have other adjustments that have have kicked in during this time, because the social security withholding uh, was reduced. And that will happen through the end of this year. And here's the problem. We still do not know how that's going to be paid back. So once again, your recommendation has been is to hold that money in a savings account or someplace we can get to it right away. We don't know if we're going to have to pay this back right away or if it'll be withheld over time next year. Nobody knows the answer to that question, which I find curious at this point in the process.
1: Yeah, how would you like to take a loan out? And they say, great, you've got the loan. And you say, what are the repayment terms? Is it going to be a balloon payment? Is it going to be an installment of payment? How is this going to be done? We'll tell you later. We are a month into this. And they still have not come up, and I'm talking they, and I'm talking the very high levels of the federal government. This is not IRS at all. Um, matter of fact, this has got to be part of uh, Treasury, is part of the group that's deciding this. But how can you make a policy saying, okay, we're going to do this, but we're not going to tell you how you're going to be having to repay it, although you are going to have to repay it? it it's just, in, <laughs> it's a heck of a way to run a railroad.
0: Yeah, and we're not the only ones. I mean, it's, uh, there's been no guidance to anybody who's opted into this, and most of the private sector has just not even bothered to deal with it. Uh, but yet, you know, because uh, IRS being an executive branch agency must obey the rules of, that the president and his staff have set out. So we'll keep watching that. If there's any news, we will let you know. We are recording this just a few days before Election Day, although Election Day is a bit of a misnomer now. My wife and I voted early some time ago. We are not recommending people mail in an absentee ballot in Indiana. You uh, you can file an, uh, an absentee ballot, but you need to have it into the clerk's office of your county. By noon on Election Day, you can hand deliver it. Many of them have drop boxes, or there's some system where you can do that. So as uh, if you haven't voted yet... Uh, Give people some reasons, Duncan, why voting just might be a good idea this round.
1: You're voting for your paycheck. You're voting for your rights. We've we've spent this entire podcast talking about how it looks like rights are trying to be stripped away, trying to put in, uh, you know, people, burrow them in, things of that nature. This is all on who's in charge, who, you know, take a look at the issues, the issue that I looked at. I did absentee ballot, but I did that because I'm working the polls on Tuesday. And I made sure to get mine in very early. And I did was able to check online and was able to do that. So it's, I can't emphasize enough the importance of getting out and voting. There's early voting stations all over the state of Indiana. If you're listening to this outside of Indiana, you've got multiple ways, I'm sure, of voting, being able to vote, whether you're still able to vote by mail. If so, do it now early voting take advantage of it if you can or last resort make sure that you get that vote in and vote on election day
0: well duncan i won't uh, end the podcast without mentioning this you and i have allegiances to different baseball teams but it's been what (laughs) is it 32 years since the dodgers have won the world series
1: 32 freaking long years.
0: <laughs> and, uh, you know, and the Dodgers have gone through some pretty bad times, bad ownership, and so forth. And uh, finally, the Dodgers, and I'm not a Dodger fan, but I've got to give you credit because you stuck with them during those tough times, like I've stuck with my Cincinnati Reds during a lot of tough times. They finally got in the playoffs, didn't score a single run, but that's another matter. But uh, just want to congratulate you because you waited a long time, and finally, the the Dodgers have a decent ownership group which has uh, put the, the resources and good people in place uh, to make that team competitive. Again, I think baseball's better when the Dodgers are in place. so
1: congratulations yeah, it's, to it's, you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, I've been a Dodger fan for probably about 50 years. So I'm I was very very happy to uh to see them pull that out last night and win the series.
0: So that uh that'll take care of our podcast any final uh, parting shots before we wrap this up Duncan.
1: Nope, just be safe out there, wear a mask, be good to one another and make sure that you get out and your votes heard.
0: Yeah, uh just a last note from me. Indiana's going through a tough time on coronavirus. Please socially distance, please wear your masks. And please wash your hands on a regular basis. That's the only way we're going to deal with this thing right now. Please do all those things the doctors suggest. This is the Chapter 49 podcast. You've been listening to Duncan Giles, president of NTU Chapter 49. My name's Larry Lannon. I'm a retiree, and I help with communications as a volunteer with Chapter 49. Thank you so much for listening. Be kind and be safe.